0: Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Todd Ross. who's the Managing Director and CEO of Nordic Nickel, who are a junior miner that holds a district-scale land holding of highly prospective nickel sulfide tenements in the world-class Central Lapland Greenland belt of Finland. Um, Todd has a finance background with over 23 years' experience in finance, derivatives, and corporate advisory uh, within the natural resources sector. Um, he specialises in projects and acquisition finance across a range of commodities in multiple jurisdictions. Um, has been at the helm of Nordic Gold for the last 18 months um, and is now going to share his journey with us um, and what, what uh, Nordic Nickel uh, have been up to and looking to achieve. So that's welcome, Todd, to the podcast. How are you doing, Todd?
1: Yeah, very well, Rob. Thanks. Uh, good to get to you.
0: Yeah, and yourself. So, I wondered if you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your career. As I mentioned, you, you've got a finance background, um, so I just wonder if you can talk us through uh, your career, um, how, yeah. you've, uh, how you've how uh, you've got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, Thanks, Rob. It's um, you know, it's it's a bit of a step out of the world of banking to um, to moving into running a, a junior exploration company. It's certainly um, you know, it's not for the faint-hearted. Uh, that that's for sure, and certainly in in this kind of. Uh, Climate that we're operating in now, with the markets being pretty pretty tough. Um, look, yeah, as, as you said in the intro, there, um, you know, I've got a, a long background, you know, over twenty years in in mining um, project financing in particular. Um, so I was previously the uh, MD and head of um, uh, uh, the metals and mining business for Bimpy Paribas in, in WA. Um, so I had a, a you know fantastic client base. I had you know twenty odd clients in um, in Perth. Uh, and we're doing everything from you know commodity derivatives um right the way through to you know corporate loans and m and a activity as well so uh you know long experience in that that sector my my whole career in banking um has has been an advisory has always been in the uh, natural resources sector having uh you know come from Perth, uh still live in perth um you know you you really can't avoid it um you know some way shape or form you're going to be uh associated with the mining industry and I, and i love it you know i'm very passionate about the industry you know i was on the other side of the fence clearly um you know providing finance to um to to junior exploration companies or to to developers um you know and, I, and i've always had a passion for um being able to be part of something and and build something um you know and i guess my experience with uh with working for a French bank over the last ten years was that um you know you can see there's a lot of activity going on in in europe um in particular in the energy transition, and there's a there's a massive need coming uh for for all the critical minerals that we need for um for that energy transition and you know my experience at at the bank was you know looking at transitioning the portfolio away from what was you know traditionally. More of your lend and hedge type deals um looking at the in the gold and, and bulk commodity space but moving into more of the battery metal space so i've done done a number of deals in um in nickel uh project financings and and in lithium as well um you know and, and i guess there was there was an opportunity that came along um you know i got approached on on nordic nickel it was pre-ipo um so from my perspective i thought well, you know seemed it seemed a little early perhaps um you know, there's there's a lot of work to be done and and the, the group that were putting together the the opportunity was a um you know private equity business out of Hong Kong. Um they it's a group called Starboard Global and Rob Brickson, who runs that business, um, you know, had been looking around for uh, critical minerals assets, in particular nickel, um, in Europe. And uh, he had been approached uh, or he'd he'd been introduced, sorry, to um to another group called Magnus Minerals, who who owns the project, who owned our flagship project, the the Pulu project. And um, look, I, I guess in those early days, um the the idea was to to put some seed capital into to the project, um see where we could take it, and then uh, potentially do an IPO a couple of years down the track. Um, this is all before my time, but when when um. You know when they got access to some of the historical drill data that had been um, you know some work that had been done by autocumpu the, the state-owned mining company back in the 80s and 90s um that's when things really changed and that's when I got involved um that I, I essentially took a look at this asset um as as if I was to bank it. Um if everything was to come true would it be the sort of asset that I'd be willing to to back um and clearly that's why I'm here. Um, you know, I, I decided that after doing my DD on on the the projects and and Finland and Europe and everything that's going on in the battery metal space, that I uh, thought this is a, a fantastic opportunity to to get involved in a in an early stage explorer. But I think we, you know we've got certainly big ambitions in in Europe and um you know, looking to build a you know a, a a to become a major supplier of class one nickel sulfides in um in in Europe, which is I think we're very well placed to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, obviously, I meant you, you mentioned that you've uh, come from the banking, uh, banking back, you have banking background in, in the resources space, and you sat the other side of the fence. How, how has it been sitting in the CEO, CEO seat for the last 18 months? Is it what you expected?
1: Well, the one thing it takes a bit to get used to is not having a balance sheet. Um, you know, we've got a, a a bit of a balance sheet and obviously we had a pretty successful um IPO. We managed to raise 12 million Aussie in the in the IPO. Um, but compared to working for a bank where, you know, obviously the balance sheet's not the issue, it's more about the, the deals and the structures and 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 the assets themselves. Um what what's been you know fantastic for me is to be able to get Deep into one particular project, um, you know. As I said, I had you know a client base of over twenty clients before, and banking many of their projects. So you you know you spread yourself pretty thin across many different projects and different companies and management teams. Um, now I've been able to get well and truly into the the detail and and the project itself, um, and start building a business and building a team around us. And um, that's the exciting thing is really you know. Having, having a vision, having the, the ability to be able to make decisions and uh, really grow a company, um, you know, I think that's been the, the, the most rewarding and exciting part of uh, taking this leap into being a CEO.
0: So I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about Nordic Nickel, about the company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rob. I mean, look, the Nordic Nickel was listed on the 1st of June um, on the ASX. We were looking to raise between 8 and 12 million Aussie um we we got a lot of support back then. Um you know we we when we issued the prospectus back in um in May last year, the market was still pretty good. Um, you know, certainly reasonable at that time anyway. And so we managed to get the IPO away at twenty five cents um you know for for raising twelve million Aussie. Um, yeah, it was only probably six weeks after that that the uh, RBA lifted the rates um, in Australia for the first time, and in the in the ASX, you know, the, the the market came off, started coming off, and then the um the the company really was listed on the back of um our flagship project. We we have two two projects, but our flagship project is called the Pulu Projects. um and and both of our projects are focused on the Central Lapland Greenstone Belt of Northern Finland, which is an area that's highly prospective for nickel sulfides but also for copper cobalt um, and PGEs as well the um the areas has been historically explored um, primarily by autocompmpu so the the state-owned mining company as I mentioned before um, and then back about 20 years ago uh Finland's when it when it became part of the EU um opened up the country and foreign companies started coming into to Finland but it's it's really been a, a sort of jurisdictional domain by some of the majors. So we've got the likes of Anglo-American who have been operating in, in the same areas as us in the Central Apland-Greenstone belt for 20-odd years. The likes of First Quantum, um, Rio Tinto, all, all in that area, but not a lot of um, juniors exploring in that space. And um, we were lucky enough to be able to to do a deal where we secured this asset, the PULU project, 100%. Um, and that, that asset is, it's a big district scale project. Um, when, when we talk about what we're looking for, it's, it's really, we have two analogs. There's, there's two operating, oh, sorry, there's one operating nickel mine, um, close by to us. There's two operating nickel mines in, in Finland and only two operating nickel mines in Europe, full stop. Um, the, the closest nickel mine operating was, was started by First Quantum. Um, and that's the, the Kvitsa mine. Uh, that's a that's a um, open pit uh, disseminated nickel operation, 9.5 million tonne per annum processing plant there. The big analog though is the Ciccati, uh discovery, which was made by Anglo American about uh, ten years or so ago. And we have we have both. We're we're chasing both kvitsa style disseminated nickel mineralisation. Um, and and so far from our drilling campaign, we have plenty of that. It's uh, everywhere we're drilling. We're, we're coming across more of this wide disseminated nickel. But the uh, the big prize is the Sicardi style um, analog, and and that's really what uh, really was the game changer in in Central Lapland. Um, and in fact, you know the, that that project, um, the the Ciccati deposit was uncovered by using modern exploration methods, g- modern geophysics, and that's what we've been applying on our um, on our Puli project as well. So, uh, yeah, the Puli projects um, there was some drilling done, as I mentioned, um, there was about ten thousand meters drilled historically we we were able to get access to all that drill data before we we listed and we could re-log and re-assay all of that drill data which was fantastic because first of all it confirmed what the report said that there was plenty of disseminated nickel there Um, but what got everyone excited was the fact that um, within that disseminated nickel there was already some high-grade intersections that hadn't been recorded anywhere Um, and that was enough of a uh, you know of a sniff to to indicate that there's this potential for for massive sulfides and and that's really what the sakati style analog is um, you know Ciccati is a 44 million ton um, deposit with 1.9% copper and 1% nickel um, and yeah, you know, it's one of probably one of the biggest discoveries in the last 20 years and that the size of that project compared to ours I mean the pool of projects We've got two hundred and forty square kilometers, um, which is about double the size of the Sicardi footprint on their uh, their current project.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, that, that's what yeah. we're chasing. <laughs> um,
0: just wondering, you can uh, what's the uh, exploration thesis uh, on the Pula project, and why are you confident in the potential of of this of this asset?
1: Yeah, look, um, the the exploration thesis is really, I guess, twofold. Um, we we know that. In, looking at the Sicardi analog, that the there's the marker for high grade massive sulfides is is plenty of near surface disseminated nickel. Um, as I said, we're finding plenty of the near surface disseminated nickel. the The exploration thesis was really focused on testing the conditions of the system to ensure that we had all the conditions were right when it was formed to be able to form um, multiple high grade deposits within that belt that we own. Um, and our our drilling campaign that we've kicked off um, kicked off in January was really about those first few holes were really about testing those conditions um, to prove that they they were all existed and we need we drilled a number of deep holes first of all to test the base of the the cumulative layer as we call it potentially but also to to see if those conditions were in place um, to form those higher grade deposits and um, yeah so of those. Deep holes that we've drilled, we've encountered those conditions in three places now, Um, and, and now it's really about building out our knowledge and the, and building the geological model and zoning in and vectoring in on uh, where the high grade deposits uh, pods will be within that area.
0: One, if you can just tell us about the uh, the other project that you're involved in as well?
1: Yeah, so the, the other project is um is close by to Sirkadi as well. So I should mention that the the Pulu project is is about one hundred kilometers away from the Sirkadi deposit. Um, the meninkioki project, which is um our, our second project, is um Meninke-Oki, Meninke-Oki Three. Sorry, is is about um fifteen kilometers away from where the Sirkadi deposit is. So it's it's all in the same Central Lapland Greenstone Belt. Um, Pulu sort of sits to the to the north um, northwest of, um, of of the rest of the the Sicardi area and, and a town called Zeduncula. Um but the Meninkioki is really an, an earn in agreement that we have um, with with Magnus Minerals, who were previously the owner of um, both the, the Pullet Project and Meninkioki Three. And again, what we're looking for is in chasing in Sicardi style analogs. We're looking for the same sort of um, mineralisation, both the, the ultramafic uh, mineralisation there.
0: What news flow uh, can investors uh, expect from Nordic Nickel over the sort of remainder of this year?
1: We've got a lot of news flow coming. Um, you know, unfortunately some of the, the drilling from the beginning of this year was was delayed with assay results. Um, so we have we kicked off our, our maiden drilling campaign in, in January. Um, and because of our, um, uh, you know, because we were selected to participate in this BHP Explore program, which I can chat to you about a bit more in a minute, um, we it gave us the confidence to not only drill some deeper holes, which, um, you know, as I just said, we, we needed to do to test the conditions of the system, but also gave us the confidence to secure a second rig. So we we accelerated our drilling program in winter last, uh, the beginning of this year, over the first three months, and and what it's meant is we've we've generated around we've drilled around fifteen thousand meters of, um, of of diamond holes this year. Um, and we've been there was a bit of a backlog with getting the assay results out. We're getting more of them now coming through. We've changed um, changed labs and we're getting uh, those assays coming through very regularly now. So we've only released the results. we've drilled 28 holes and we've only released results of eight of those holes so far. Um, so for the rest of the year what what uh, investors will see is a lot more assay results coming through on the on the drilling campaign. Um, we'll complete the drilling campaign over the next month or so. We'll then get an update to our mineral resource estimate. So we had a mineral resource estimate um, that we put out within six weeks of listing last year based on the historical drilling. We now are underway with um, an update to that mineral resource estimate and uh, we'll get that out by the end of the year. And then finally, the other piece of news flow is that we'll be getting out the, the, the details about um, our MET test work that we're currently undertaking as well. So there's, there's a fair bit of information coming through by the end of the year.
0: Um, obviously you mentioned the BHP Explore program. Um, just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about that and also how Nordic Nickel uh, came to get uh, be involved.
1: Yeah, look, the, the BHP Explore program, it's the first year they've run it. Um, it, it was a absolutely phenomenal experience. We really loved it. Um, the, the idea behind the Explore program, it's, it's an accelerated program. Essentially what BHP are trying to do is, is support junior exploration companies like ourselves, both private and, 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 um, and, and public companies like us to really help them put together all of the um, components within the organisations to ensure that they are really set up for success. There were 250 companies that applied to the Explore program and then seven that were selected. Um, and ultimately what they were looking for was companies that were in jurisdictions that they were comfortable to operate in if, um, if it went down that track uh, in a commodity that they're looking to um, to expand their portfolio in, and um, you know, in this case, it's mostly in copper and and nickel, um, but but then also projects that had potential scale. Um, they they had to have the potential, you know, BHP scale ultimately. So the seven companies that were selected were giving given half a million US each as a as a grant, so non um, equity, non dilutive uh, grant, and then we'll put on this program uh, for for six months, where essentially. Um, we got together on a regular basis with the other uh, other companies in the cohort and and that in itself you know everyone got exceptionally well was a really great program it was set up a, along three pillars um essentially the operational readiness um technical readiness um and and business readiness uh, so it's all about sort of making sure that we were established appropriately um and for us as a as a um, you know, a company that's only a year old or only six months old at the time when when we were selected by BHP, it was a fantastic opportunity for us to really get ourselves set up for success going forward as well. And um, you know, we've, we've had a great time. It ended at the end of June. Um, you know, there's there's still discussions going about what kind of future alliance we could we could potentially have with BHP. And um, you know, we we certainly encourage any other companies to to look at throwing the hat in the ring for Explore Two as well, which I think's kicked off recently.
0: Yeah, obviously you mentioned other companies in the cohort. Um, was there a lot of things that you learned from some of the other companies that were part of the program, and maybe some ideas that that were generated amongst other um, CEOs of these other uh, six, seven companies, uh, which you potentially could input
1: into your into your company? Look, absolutely. I mean, there there were yeah seven companies. There's there's basically a, a CEO from each company, and then the um, chief technical um, person as well from each company. So representative. So you know, fourteen people in in total. We're all together in um, originally in February when when we all get together got together for the boot camp, and then again in March when we got together um, what we called the the toolkit camp. Um, which was boot camp was pretty intense. That so it was a, a week long um, process where we had External experts coming to to um give us masterclasses. We had BHP experts, and then we had a lot of um, workshops together as as a cohort and as a group. Um, you know of of the group, there were uh you know I was the only non geologist in the group, so uh thirteen geologists and then me. Um, I learned a lot from all of them, and and I certainly um valued everyone's input and and advice, and and there certainly you know amongst the group some very um. You know, experienced CEOs have been doing this for a long, long time. Um, you know, and for me, that was invaluable to, to get the opportunity to to spend time with them and, uh, and, and get to know them a bit better. Uh, but then some incredible technical expertise as well. You know, we had um, Jim Ungle, who's, uh, you know, professor in, in nickel sulfide deposits. And he gave a, a masterclass himself on, um, you know, and on some of the things that we've been looking at. And, um, you know, we all learned a lot and discussed different techniques and, and different ways of doing things, too.
0: Um, how do you see the developments in Europe uh, with respect to obviously the an- energy transition uh, benefiting uh, Nordic nickel?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's a huge demand growing for the uh, for critical minerals for the energy transition, no doubt. Um, you know, the EU Critical Minerals Act, which was released, I think, in March this year, um, has gone some way to. To try and to rectify that, um, you know I think with ten percent of all raw material supply critical that are on the critical minerals list needing to come from Europe, um, there's there's a very much a, a growing awareness of um, the, the the challenges that uh, that Europe is going to be facing in securing that uh, critical mineral supply. There's a lot of gigafactories going in already. Um, you know, big commitments being being made and capital being spent to to build these gigafactories. The OEMs in in Europe realize that securing critical mineral supply now means that they're going to have to do things differently because as they see um, how you know the Chinese supply, um, you know, a lot of it's already been locked up and and um, you know with offtake agreements already. And that's been happening for years now. And, and now with the invest um, inflation reduction act in the US last year, that's that's created another challenge for Europe to be able to get on the front foot and um and try and secure their supply. So I think I think the challenge um you know and, and the opportunity for Nordic nickel is the the fact that there's um, very little new projects being developed. Um, there, as I mentioned before, there are only two nickel projects in the entire um in, in, in the entirety of Europe. Both of them are in Finland. Um, one's about 100 kilometers away, and the other one's on the other side of Finland. The entire battery value chain already exists in Finland, so we've already got um, the smelters and the refineries. And again, Europe's entire um, smelting and refining capacity for, uh, for for nickel is in Finland and Norway. Um, and that's it. So you know, there's there's a huge opportunity for us to be able to tap into that battery value chain. Um, and then, obviously, as as things progress with the EU. Um, there's there's opportunities for us to explore potential grants um you know get support on um you know on on um, tenements and um you know and sort of processing of approvals and things like that so I, I think where strategically this is a fantastic opportunity and and um you know it's very rare that a junior company like us kind of positions themselves to be in a a, a spot where we can be a be a player, um, you know, a substantial player in what a, what is a massive change going on in Europe. Uh, and I think we've got the asset that's going to be able to deliver into that.
0: Why should the investors uh, consider uh, investing in uh, Nordic nickel? Um, and what is the 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 actual potential upside?
1: Look, the, up, the upsides from where we are at the moment on our current share price is is substantial. Um, you know, I've got to say that for sure. The the fact that we already have um, a maiden resource, which we released um, in August last year, that the maiden resource, I should mention, is 133 million tonnes at 0.21% nickel. Um, so that, that's got contained 278,000 tonnes of contained nickel already um, and 12,500 tonnes of um, cobalt. Look, that's a that's a low grade um near surface mineral resource estimate. But that that was really just to draw a line in the sand because that's only on our hot Envira license. The hot Envira license is less than 2% of our whole land holding. Um and that that early stage drilling that we did this year to test the conditions of the system has now confirmed that the whole belt that we have, which is effectively 25 kilometers up one, one direction and 10 kilometers up the other direction is prospective and potentially mineralized. So for investors, the upside is is massive. You know, we're talking about a resource that's already there. We've now drilled another 15,000 metres on, on in addition to that resource in that area, and now we're just start getting started in the whole belt. Um, so we're going to be here operating for a long time to come, and we're, we, you know, we're positioned to be a major strategic player um, in the whole battery metals chain, value chain that's going on in Europe.
0: And lastly, what's the uh, outlook for the company over the sort of next, to six, uh, next six to 12 months? Um, and is there anything else that you want to uh, uh, tell our audience?
1: Yeah, so the, the outlook's pretty exciting for us. Um, you know, as I said, we'll, we'll get a, the, the drilling completed this, um, uh, in the next month or so. Um, the next steps for us is to complete the geological model and then kick off again with the, the drilling campaign next year. So once we get the updated resource out by the end of this year, there'll be more drilling t- taking place next year with an update um, again to the resource estimate. So for, for shareholders, it's, um, it's really starting to build momentum. And I think this is where we're at and what's so exciting. We, we've attracted the attention of the world's largest mining company already. Um, they're, they're very excited about what we're trying to do. Um, there's plenty of others that have, that have also approached us on that front including some of the oems already who who you know obviously desperate to secure supply and i think we're we're well placed to be able to play in that um you know that growing market and uh, you know as the project builds um you know we're going to be able to deliver into that so we're looking to build a business here and we're, we're building a business around being a sustainable um you know source of class one nickel and um, a sustainable and traceable source of class one nickel which is going to be so important in europe
0: Todd, thank you for your time. Really appreciate uh, giving us an update on Nordic Nickel and obviously your journey over the last 18 months. Um, Wish you well for the next sort of 6 to 12 months and perhaps you can come on the podcast uh, sometime next year and give us an
1: update. Look forward to it. Yeah, no, thanks for your time, Rob. Really appreciate it. Great chat.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, Thank thank you you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Please share, as always, share these episodes with people within the industry. Um, but also people outside of the industry. obviously, uh, Todd's just demonstrated um they're developing uh, looking to develop a nickel mine which is crucial for the energy and green transition uh, that we're that we're moving into. so it's important that we get the message out to people outside of the mining industry also um as to what mining is about and what we're doing. um so really appreciate your continued support. Please keep sharing these episodes and until next time,